Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tantric Lounge where we talk sex, science and spirituality. And art. And art. Yes, today we're talking art in a way. You may be surprised to think that the um, fine ancient art of Japanese bondage could be considered an art. But today's guest is an expert in this art and we'll be talking to him shortly to find out what is shibari why is it erotic? What's the sexual connection with tying someone up? And all sorts of interesting and no doubt fascinating things as we always have such good fascinating conversations with our guest sex geeks. How, how do you spell shibari for our, the benefit of our listeners? Um, S-H-I-B-A-R-I. Great. Good thing I, use, I can speak Japanese. Yes. Watashi yes. mo. Okay. Anyway, we better not speak Japanese, otherwise okay. I guess we'll be able to, I mean, our listeners won't understand what it is. Well, the Japanese talking. ones will, but we don't have <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> millions the, the of billions Japanese of Japanese listeners. listeners. Um, okay, so what's, oh, uh, that's, you haven't introduced me as you usually do. Oh gosh, sorry everybody, this is Xavier. Yeah, okay. So, Co-host. Yeah, right. So, what's the latest on Planet Jacqueline? Yes, well at the moment I'm actually on an aeroplane flying to Vietnam. Even as we speak. Well, not as we speak, but as the listeners listen. Okay. Yes. That's right. <laughs> well, yes, but in the, in the great TARDIS that is yes. radio, the radio and podcasts the time warp. and the time warps, yes, you are actually flying on a plane to Vietnam. Yes. In order to do what? Uh, to go on a spiritual retreat for 10 days, meditate, feel cosmic, have a rest, basically. So you have to go all the way to Vietnam to find yourself. I'm not finding myself. I'm just having a lovely time. Oh, okay. So it's just a junket. It's a spiritual junket. How could you be so crude? Well, it comes easy. Okay. <laughs> so um, what's besides being What else? Play, the button? The yes, button the is but- being pushed? Oh, yes. We finally fixed Jacqueline's back end yes. on her website. So now that we've fiddled around with her back end, she now has a front end button. that, yes. that can be uh, pushed. That, yes. So that our listeners, should they wish to support this program to be free and independent on the airwaves and internet of the world, yes. uh, please feel free to push the donate to the program button and give us all that cheap thrill that we so needfully deserve. Yes, and so we can keep this program going because it's quite, ex- quite expensive to run a program like this. So Yes, as, as, they, as our listeners can probably appreciate. And we have also enormously big news She's giving me a blank stare. <laughs> I'm giving you a signal. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's, not, it's nine o'clock in the morning here and neither of us are morning people. Neither of us are morning people. So We never do breakfast radio. It would be impossible. We've done an eight o'clock one. Yes, we but breakfast radio one. starts at 4 a.m. Oh, God, no. We'd, we'd no, be no, dead. No, no, late night would be much better. Yes. Okay. yes. Late night with Jay Because we have the late night radio voices. That's right. We could do it. So tell me, Jacqueline. Yes, Saviour. What about the very latest big news? Oh, I have a book. I've <gasps> released a book. You've released a book. It's a very, very good book. Tell us about the great book. Oh, I like the voice. Can we do the voice? Okay. Tell me about the book, It's Jacqueline. Educational Erotica for Women. Tell me more. It's called Seven Sex Goddesses, Reawakening for Today's Woman. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> It describes seven goddesses and how they personify different elements of female sexuality. And also, I think, how to cathect or how to draw upon these goddess energies. So that you can be fully expressed as a sexual woman. Wow. It's fantastic. And how do people get their hands on the book, (laughs) Jacqueline? (laughs) They go to my website. 
www.jacquelinehellier.com. Go to books. Well, actually, I've kind of got it plastered all over my website at the moment, but there's various ways to get to the book, but you can just go to the book section in the shop. There's a shop. And it's... And it's a new website, in fact. I completely revamped the website. That's right, so because we've, seen it, we've also fiddled with your front end. Well, my back end has had so much work on it lately. It's just extraordinary. And it's just, just it sort of trickled up to your front end. The front end is beautiful. So And uh, easy to use. How much is the book? It's sixteen fifty Australian. Okay. Mm. And worth every cent. I think so. It has, how many erotic stories are in there? Because Xavier, in fact, is my executive editor and polished it. So that's why it is, in fact, so it, magnificent. It, it shines. It's so polished. So there's three modern characters who each have erotic experiences where they're embodying these different goddess energies. So, and then the whole goddess, so that's 3824 plus the goddesses themselves. There's over 30 erotic stories in this book. So, it's, so you're getting, ooh, what's 16 divided by 30, some, some small number. It's like 50 cents a story. Oh. Easily. Less. Less. It's about 50. 43 cents a story. <laughs> and that's Australian. So if you're American, it's more like, like 37. 37 cents a story. 37. Bargain. 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 And they're all good stories. They are. And they're all informative, they're inspiring, they're educational, they're informative. And they're interspersed with and in, I think instruction. they're quite erotic too. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, now, is, is it, have we finished with plugging the book? We've finished plugging it. We've talked about my back end, talking about plugs. We've done um, everything. <laughs> can we introduce our guest now? We can. Hebari, H-E-B-A-R-I. Yes. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Jackie, and thank you, Xavier. Well, it's, well it's, it's wonderful to have you here. Yes, live in the studio because I think I'm going to get tied up. Ooh. Yes, yes. Jacqueline Shibari, as we mentioned earlier, is the Japanese art of bondage. Yes. yes. You want to tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I suppose um, uh, shibari is, it, it used to be a capture and torture method, um, so it doesn't sound all that appealing. Doesn't it sound very erotic. The samurai used to do this? Yeah, the samurai used to uh, use it to capture prisoners and to, um, uh, and, and to also display them because, of course, shame is a very big thing in Japan um, and, oh, and to some degree is part of torture. So it doesn't, as I said, sound all that appealing to the modern man or woman um, or woman um but uh like a lot of things it's sort of evolved and and really what it is now is it, it's it's sort of drawing on the the um gestalt history i suppose and memory a little bit of um of the japanese people to do something that kind of brings up uh emotions as part of a, a sensual experience and I, I think in the same way that kind of pole dancing has gone from being sort of something that was under the table to something that you know people used to have poles under tables oh i don't know <laughs> That would have been well, hard. Maybe they went all the way through. Maybe the they were very tall the tables. Or something. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but no, but it's sort of, you know, uh, in the same way, it's sort of starting to become a more mainstream thing. And, and mm, a, a it's lot of transformed. Sort of, yeah. Mm. Uh, and the, the edges have kind of been knocked off it. Uh, mm-hmm. So now that what we do is something that's sort of quite beautiful and, and really focuses on the connection between two people, which mm. is really lovely. I think, I think of it like macrame for adults. Uh, a little bit. You could describe it that way. I think a lot of it, people from a, a feel perspective describe it like a big hug. Mm. Um, and that's that's probably um, uh, more about the experience for the people involved. And, and look, 
part of it is just teaching people to be present when they're interacting with their partner. And how does tying someone up enable you to become more present with a partner? Um, well, I think for the person who's the top, the person who's actually doing the tying, um, uh, they, they kind of don't really um, connect with their partner if they're not present with them. And, mm. and it's a bit of a fail and it's quite obviously one, which is, I think, part of the thing that really makes it work is because um, when a top starts to learn how to tie, very quickly they realise that if they're not going to be connected, if they're not going to be present, um, it's actually just not going to work. Mm. Um, and so there are the a lot The feeling of, is not created. Well, also the partner looks bored and wants to get out. And then um, it's an unpleasant experience it's unpleasant. for the person being tied yeah. up. Yeah, and so mm. what happens is I think it really motivates um, tops to learn how to be present and how to connect mm. with their partner. And that's what we're seeing a lot in the classes is people come to learn how to connect. Because you actually run classes. You have a rope dojo, don't you? Well, yeah, we do. We run classes twice a week. And a dojo of rope. Mm. Where is this dojo of rope? Just located? around the corner from here, actually. It's in Leichhardt <laughs> in Sydney. Wow. Um, Who would have thought that Leichhardt was a bed of Japanese bondage? I know, a hotbed of Italian food and bondage. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, I mean, for, for, for the benefit of the live listeners to this show, uh, well, by the time this is up and running, we'll, ha- we'll have it no too. There, there are today. no live listeners, so, because this is a pre record. So, for the benefit of all our podcast listeners, this mm. is going to be radio with pictures. Mm. We have, um, we're going to take photographs of um, Hebari as he ties up Jacqueline in various subtle and maybe not so subtle ways. So, you'll be <laughs> able to see what these look like to mm. some extent. Mm. Um, are there also books that people can purchase on the subject? Are there many books that have been published or is there a there website that people can There are a couple of books out there. They're not a lot I like personally. There's um, uh, one of the better books that's available is by a gentleman called Master K and it's called The Beauty of Kimbaku uh, and it, it's mostly a history book. What's Kimbaku? Uh, it's, oh, sorry, I should probably say Shibari and Kimbaku, there's, there's some subtle differences between the terms, but they're kind of interchangeable. Mm. Um, in a way, Shibari is a general uh, Japanese term for tying, yep. whereas Kimbaku is sort of the equivalent of the word bondage. Okay. Yeah, it's, it actually means tight binding. So how did this come into the West? Um. Well, a lot of people have, have been into Japan for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, myself included. In fact, Xavier. I yes. lived there for four years and you've lived there. And well, I, yeah, but not yeah. for four years. No. <laughs> so, I mean, people have gone over there and they've gotten into the culture and, mm. and it used to be quite difficult to get involved in those aspects of the culture. Right. Um, but some people got in, some people um, got involved and especially one gentleman uh, who's now called Master uh, – his. He's now called Asada Steve. Oh, yes. He's a master of rope. Yes. Mm. Um, And I think Steve was really uh, probably the person who opened the West up uh, or opened Japan up to the West in terms Mm -hmm. of rope. Right. Um, He sort of went through the actual Japanese process of becoming a a, a deshi, which is a a very close student, um, and then taking on the actual name when his master, uh, Asada Akechi, died. And so suddenly we had this Westerner Mm. in the middle of Japan who had a a great body of knowledge and and sort of access who was then happy to sort of spread that out to the rest of the West. How how long did this process of apprenticeship in the Kimbachu 
Kimbaku. Kimbaku, sorry, Kimbaku. <laughs> oh, it's nine o'clock. You probably said it something is. dreadful in Japanese. I don't, think, I don't know if the idea of photos at nine o'clock is that great an idea. I'm personally looking. That's all right. We're just going to look at the hands and the knots more than the. Don't worry. It's, it's mostly me that's being photographed. Oh, that'll I'll be fine then. You're still on. looking good in this, Kim, this morning. Kim, <laughs> Kimbaku, yes, yes, Kimbaku, yes, back to Kimbaku. Mm. How long does this apprenticeship take? Well, I don't know that it's the kind of thing you can put a timeline on in very typical sort of Japanese form. Um, I believe that Steve um, was sort of apprenticed for about 10 years. Um, so, you know, uh, in his case, that wasn't so much the length of the apprenticeship, it was just the amount of time until his master unfortunately passed away. Um, and then he, he took on the name. But quite often uh, a deshi can be a deshi for most of their life and they really don't... If their teacher stays alive that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not actually until their teacher passes away mm. that, that they kind of get to take on the name if they're lucky. It's very it's, much like the martial arts traditions, isn't it? Well, Which is I mean, my background. Yeah, and mm. I suppose, I mean, it's all that, it, it's all comes out of a base of japanese really. The japanese yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's their culture. Um, and, and a lot of... A, a lot of the things that are common, like the way they, they structure learning experience. And it's also this thing about heart. Like mm. anybody that studied mm. uh, martial arts doing depth realises there's a whole aspect of kind of heart and, yes. and uh, what they call kokoro. Um, Which is heart. heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, this process of, um, I guess the, if, you, if you're the top, the, the tie is the top, mm. the, the, the tie is the bottom. Uh, actually, oddly enough, even uh, the Japanese call the bottoms models. Oh, models, okay. Yeah, we in in, in the West, um, we have a cute term for bottoms, which is bunnies. I have no idea where that came <laughs> the rope from. Bunnies. Rope bunnies. Rope bunnies, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, I some, like model better. Yeah, look, some people like some people like either one. I think mm-hmm. I can understand why people want to apply a cute aspect to it, just to take a little bit of the edge off, mm. the potential for it to be seen as a bit, uh, a bit too strong and hard. Yeah, so. Some people like the edge, though. Oh, yes. And yes. I quite like the edge myself. <laughs> Do you describe the edge? Oh, look, there's something very beautiful about actually being given uh, that level of responsibility where mm. somebody says, look, I'm going to simply put myself in your hands. Yes. And I, I hope you'll do the right thing with that. Mm. Um, and, and there's something really quite beautiful about that. Um, but the other side of it too is there's sort of intensity of experience. Mm. Um, I think people are very shy of the idea of pain but pain is kind of an extreme experience and then there's all sorts of things leading up to that Mm. Um, and anybody that's gone for a really long jog knows that it's not a comfortable experience but it's a satisfying one and I think and often quite pleasurable and yeah almost verging on orgasmic experience well you're starting to sort of you know bring up a lot of things like endorphins and that sort of stuff which Mm. which have really pleasant experiences but like so many things this is a process isn't it i mean you don't tie up people in order to get to an end Mm. of a beautiful um knotting arrangement even though some of these knotting arrangements can be absolutely really beautiful Mm. just from, from purely artistic point of view you don't do it just to get to that end. It's all the pro- the process, the journey to get to that point is just as important yes. as the final result. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, uh, probably that's something that, that's consistent with most Japanese things. I think even things like making sushi, the whole process is as important as the eating at mm. the end. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think it's one of the things about having a essential experience with somebody is you can't have, a, a, you can't have sort of, 
uh, an isolated experience it has to be led into and out of. It's got to be the whole journey. Yes. Mm. And we will look into how you got into this journey, particularly Habari Sun, after the break. And welcome back to the Tantric Lounge uh, with um, Jacqueline and I and our special guest, Hebari, who is a master in the art of Japanese rope bondage called Shibari or Kam... What's the other one? Kimbaku. Kimbaku. I keep forgetting. I've got a mental blank on that one. Um, Right now, in the break, what uh, Hebari started doing was he started uh, to tie Jacqueline up and we're now taking photographs, which we will post online so you can have a look at this. Um, They started off actually by having a rather nice intimate hug Mm. to get into the zone. How did that feel? For me, very safe. Ah, so this is a very important preliminary aspect, isn't it? You must establish trust. Well, I think you're starting a journey with somebody. You need to work out where they're at to begin with. And I think one of the really important things with rope is you're not tying rope at somebody. You're having experience with them. And so part of it is just tuning into where they're at to begin with um, so that you can take a journey together. How did you get involved in this? How did, what's your particular path to this process? Oh, I, I used to be a roadie um, <laughs> once upon a time. What's a roadie? Ah, oh, okay. I used to do uh, rock and roll, lighting and sound. Oh. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting my riggers ticket. Uh, which is, and when I say riggers, like industrial and and entertainment rigging, so putting up all the lights into the into the. Oh, of uh, course, somebody has to do that, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> and and so I got good with rope, and I started using it on girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, I guess. <laughs> this is when I was my, in my early twenties, and so I don't think there was a real lot of a, a great deal of spirituality involved at the time. <laughs> Did you did you find it difficult to find girls that were happy to get tied up? Not at all. Um, I think I think people are quite open to a, a range of experiences if they trust the person that they're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, I, I managed to imbue enough trust that I got to do uh, quite a lot of things that might not be something you'd expect. Yes, my observation of you in person is that you do seem to carry around with you this aura of gentleness and, yes, this guy, this is the sort of guy that you can trust. He might be a total psychopath, (laughs) but he gives out the impression of being somebody you can trust. No, I I, I try to be trustworthy and I think with with something that's intimate, I'm I'm sure it's the same with Tantra and and quite a lot of things, Hmm. that if, if you're not somebody that can be trusted, then that firstly that really comes across. I think, and secondly, um, you know, it, it, you can cause damage with people just because they are putting their trust in you, and you know, you, you have to treat that appropriately. Yes, you certainly don't want to be tied up by someone who could potentially traumatize you. No, no. no how how often do you do this? Oh, uh, I probably tie somewhere between sort of five and ten times a week. Wow. <laughs> and when you say tie, how long does a session of tying go for? Uh, normally about half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if I'm with my partner and we're just having a nice night at home and we decide to do some rope, then, you know, that might take two hours of, of just playing in bed and all that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if I'm just tying somebody, normally about half an hour. 
I wonder whether you ever run out of knots. No, not so far. I've run out of rope before, but never knots. <laughs> how, how much rope would you have to be using to run out of it? The human body is only so large. Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I probably carry about uh, kind of uh, maybe 160 metres of rope with me normally. So, 160 metres. Yeah. That's like about 500 feet. That's a lot. That's because you do suspension as well, isn't it? Well, it is. It's because I do suspension and it's also because I've learnt over the years it's much better to have a little more rope than not enough. (laughs) It can be a bit embarrassing when you go to do something and reach for a rope and there's nothing there. Suspension sounds like an art all of its own. It sounds like really, really tricky to get to master because you'd have, I mean, obviously one of the things that you're aware of when you're doing this is tension. And if you get the tension wrong in, an, in a suspension situation, you, you, it would be difficult to execute correctly. Well, I mean, uh, yes, absolutely. Tension is, is really important and it is difficult when you start doing suspension. I think the big thing with suspension, though, is uh, a lot of people assume it's the, the ultimate end game of doing uh, shibari. And it is certainly fun, but... Um, it is difficult. It does take time, and it does increase the the danger involved with with rope. Um, As a rigger, do you have to actually have a special sort of rigging available that's strong enough for for suspension? Oh yes, work? you need a point that's rated for for a human. You mm. can't just kind of put it up on anything. Can't just put a little screw-in hook into a ceiling no. and hope that... <laughs> no, no. Though I have heard stories of that. They're generally stories that end with um, uh, somebody in hospital. Um, you know, with with bruising and whatnot, um, so we don't don't like to uh, suggest that that's a good idea. But um, no, look, I mean, the the big thing with suspension is that it's something that people need to work up to, and they really need training in. So it's sort of it, we, we don't really encourage people to do it straight away. So, what are the stages in the shibari journey for the learner? Well, I mean, the first one is people just need to learn a few basics um, because it's very hard to get into the feel of tying until you you know how to do a few little things. And then basically we really try and focus on the connection and on the feel and on um, making sure that uh, a person's constantly feeding back with their partner. So um, I I always say to people, tying is a little bit like sending out sonar, that you, you do things, you... Uh, get a feel for how your partner's reacting to that and then you modify what you're doing based on that. And so it's a constant kind of conversation in that way. So what are you getting back from me? You'll have to excuse me, <laughs> listeners, if I've gone a bit quiet. I'm feeling quite roped drunk. So, well, Jacqueline, you seem very relaxed. I'm very relaxed. <laughs> I've gone That's to good. a very nice place. I'm very glad. It would be a bit of a be a bit of a worry if in uh, I, I, I could get me out of this. Get me out yeah, of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, this is not the- horrible. <laughs> get me out. Well, I wasn't quite sure what it would be like to be tied up while doing a radio program. So thank you, Xavier, for being here because I've actually got both of you holding the space for me. Because, like, um. I mean, we've talked about this before. We've talked about tantric dominance and submission. And if you haven't listened to that show, listeners, go back. I think it was in the second season, wasn't it? Oh, who knows? Who who remembers? It was a while ago. But we've talked about this quite a lot and about that subspace that you can go into when you partake in these kind of activities, which I'm kind of half in and half out of. 
Um, but it's quite a beautiful space and it's very much like this is like extreme yin and yang where Hibari here is very much in the yang. This is my experience of it. He's completely holding the space for me here with Xavier's assistant. Uh, and um, which allows me to like just completely let go and just really experience the yin. And for those of you who have bought my my new book, which I'm sure everybody who's listening has just gone online and bought my book of the seven sex goddesses mentioned, this is the maestra and the earth gypsy where the maestra is completely yang and it's all about control and skill and virtuosity, that element of sexuality. So this is Hibari in his maestro. He's the maestro, mm. which allows me to go into my earth gypsy mode, which is the very much the yielding, complete yielding and letting go. Yeah, yeah. which I think... Um, to be honest, the the experience I think most people would relate to is just laying their head in somebody's lap, you know, mm. and that, that moment where you actually lay down and you just put your head on somebody's lap and you close your eyes and you know they're sitting up there, they've got that, I suppose, controlling posture or capable posture and the person who's laying down is letting go and just allowing themselves to to relax. Um, you know, mm. and that, that kind of energy is the sort of thing that... that uh, so it certainly comes from doing this kind of relaxed uh, bedroom type rope. Depending on where you're at in your sexual awareness, it can be, I imagine, a very, um, some people might wonder doing all of this just to get laid. So, <laughs> you see what I mean? Is, is, is a bit is a bit. Extreme, oh, yeah, no. but it's not effort a effort to get laid. It's just a lot of it. Yeah, uh, and and it is. Look, to be honest, if if the thing that you want to do is uh, jump onto bed and have sex with somebody, there is some rope that you can do that's very quick and kind of a bit of fun, and you know, you you sort of head onwards to to having sex. But it's not really about sex. I think it's a lot of sensual experiences are like that, that it's it's about connection and it's about forming something a little bit deeper than just a quick bonk. Um, so, you know, it, it's horses for courses, really. So this, to some extent, what I'm sensing here is like this is like erotic sensuality rather than sexual so you're making so you're making a distinction between erotic sensuality. Please, people, I'm trying oh. to run a radio show here. Um, erotic <laughs> oh, sensuality and ah, what you don't see in Radio Land is that uh, Hebari just ran the rope gently over Jacqueline's neck, and my neck is very sensitive. So that's another thing, becoming aware of the, sen- the, the sensuous parts of your body so that you can have a heightened experience. Absolutely. And it's just it partly, and I think one of the values in rope is it teaches people to actually take note of that, that, that everyone's wired a little bit differently. There are some things that work on most people and there's some things that you have to sort of hunt around for and find. But part of the, the journey with rope is learning how to actually work your way around somebody's body and somebody's space and somebody's uh, sensorium, I suppose, and find the things that trigger them, find the things that excite them, find the things that really... Uh, Awaken things in them. Exactly. And it's um, it, and, and I think that's one of the values in it is that I don't think most people are taught that um, they have to go out and find models that, that allow them to learn that kind of information. And obviously Tantra is one of them and um, there are a lot of 
sort of sensuality and spirituality kind of based sexual mm. constructs that help people to learn those kind of things. And rope's certainly one of them. Mm, I think rope is very tantric. Because? Because of the, the but, really strong connection you have to have between the two people involved. And since tantra is all about awareness. And presence. Oh, you're just bumping the microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, and that, that deep presence, that deep connection, it's very, it's very slow. There's a sinking in um, and that complete letting go. And I imagine, um, Habari, that as the top, you have a, like, is there some kind of sense of letting go to the experience for you too? There's um, a little bit, I suppose, the best way to describe it is a little bit of tunnel vision Mm -hmm. that sort of the rest of the world becomes a little bit fuzzy and and the focus ends up coming in on just that one person. And it sort of um, becomes very immediate um, in that my mind, instead of thinking about, you know, what I'm going to have for lunch or, (laughs) you know, what I've got to do later in the day, sort of narrows down to the point in time that I'm with that person and I, I just find that incredibly relaxing and just nice, really. We often think of meditation as being sitting down and gazing at your navel, but I, and my experience of this just watching you two is that it's an extremely meditative experience, this yeah. whole process yeah. of focusing in on the simply the act of doing what you are doing and being very present in the moment is extremely meditative. It must be very, very good for a person's mental health uh, if I you're predisposed so. to doing this sort of work. Mm. Um, I, look, I've, I've found that the people that do rope tend to be very well... Mm, adjusted. Adjusted, yeah, mm. that's... I mean, we get some people that are fairly badly adjusted that come in and try and use it as a as a way to... Get uh, laid. <laughs> well, yeah, actually. I mean, there are a certain number of people who just kind of go, oh, you know, those rope people get laid. I better go do that then. Um, and, <laughs> and it's not going to work for them because they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and those are the sort of people that come to two or three classes and get annoyed and walk away, which is great. Um, <laughs> sort of separates the wheat from Farewell the Farewell to bad rubbish. It does. And it's that whole thing of like, okay, well, you know, I, I don't particularly want to be teaching somebody who's looking at it that way because I don't enjoy teaching it and, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to do anything good with it. So um, where were we? We were, we were at the idea of the, the people who do this having a meditative experience. Yes. Um, yeah, and look, the, the people that have kind of come in and you see the people that come in kind of tentatively, like, oh, I think this might be interesting, and then they come in and they get into it and they have these kind of light bulb moment where they go, oh, this is great, and suddenly they're, they're really... They have of, a rope epiphany. Mm, yeah, absolutely, and you get these kind of really bright-eyed people and the dojo yeah. just keeps getting bigger and with people who have never done kink, which I think is great. Mm. Yeah, because people often have a weird idea about what kink is when, in fact, when it's done well. That's why I call it like tantric kink or cosmic yeah. kink. It's just the most divine experience. So this is not for weirdos. This is actually the exact opposite. It's actually for people who are very sane and stable and well-grounded yeah. who want to explore something sensuous and interesting. And there's a, I can see there's a great intellectual component as well. Well, I think um, probably to, to raise the spectre of... Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, must you? Yeah, if there's one thing that I think 
that the, the popularity of that book taught us was that there are far more people who are interested in uh, maybe less conventional sexual concepts yeah. than anybody might have realised. I think probably the great positive thing that came out of uh, the Fifty Shades experience was simply that people looked at the person sitting next to them at a desk and went, oh, you're reading that too. Oh, okay, you might. Oh, and suddenly there were a lot of conversations that came up out of that. So I think that the, the idea that sort of less conventional sexual practices are, are, are just for the weird is something that is, is disappearing. I think that's great. And I think we should talk about that more in the third segment. Yes, <clears throat> that's uh, the whole idea about how rope can even be considered sexual because it's doesn't involve the genitals. So uh, Yes, after the break. After the break. And we're back again talking and actually experiencing the art of Shibari. So Habari, our, our guest sex geek today, has been tying me up and I was a bit quiet in the second segment because I was really feeling that whole rope drunk and going into subspace, which was really beautiful. Um, fortunately, he took the rope off, so um, the uh, <clears throat> the left-hand side of my brain has switched back on again and I have my speech centres back. Um, he's about to tie me up again because I love it. Um, the things I do for my for my art, oh, for yes, my craft, the sacrifices, the sacrifice that I'm making so that the listeners can get an experience is, I think, quite noble. I think so. I think so. There's there's, there's definitely an OBE in this for you eventually, <laughs> for services to humanity. Services to humanity, indeed. I, I'm curious as to whether it does. Do people ever pay you for this? Besides being for the side of being taught, or do they ever actually pay you for a session? Um, yeah, I've been. Uh, well, I do one on one classes quite regularly with uh, with clients, um, which is obviously just a much more sort of personal experience than um, than coming to a larger class. Um, but I've I've been tie I've been paid I should say to tie somebody. Which was an interesting experience. I think I officially became a sex worker. A sex worker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually did some. Um, I, I did some uh, feminist porn actually with a couple of um, a couple of friends of mine, uh, feminist pornographers from mm. Melbourne, and they uh, convinced myself and my previous partner that we should do some sex positive feminist porn with rope, which we did, which was actually really good. So, yeah, I'd like to yeah. see that. Mm. We might. Is is that available anywhere? Is it, can we get a link to, uh, to a sample of that? I'm not sure if it's still available. There was a site. A friend of mine uh, by the name of Leandra Dahl um, had a site which was leandradahl.com. Um, I'd have to have a look now. It was a little while ago. I think she's. I think she's moved well, on. Well, if we can get that, let's see if we can get that. Mm. Um, I'm interested also in whether or not this impacts on your personal life. Um, well, it, you're tying it, up all of these women all the time and hello yeah how look, does your partner feel about um it? look it's been difficult i mean it, it's like anything i think um that you, you have to take your whole life into to account i don't tie as many other people when i'm in a relationship and i'm mm-hmm. actually engaged now to a very very lovely girl called emma congratulations thank you um and one of the things for her is she's monogamous. My previous partner was Polly, and so um, it was a little bit easier with Emma. She's she's a little she has a, a few more problems with that because it's such an intense experience mm. for us. Mm. 
it, it's hard to for her to see me do that to somebody else. So I tend not to. I don't, I, you know, predominantly I tie her now. Right. Um, and occasionally I'll tie in an academic sense, but I don't really tie other people anymore because, you know, that's that that's how our relationship works and that, mm. and that needs to be respected. And that was something you needed to talk about, I imagine, in some depth to get really clear about what it was for each of you and how that was going to work for you as a couple. Absolutely. And it's, the communication was king. And I think actually having having learned how to be poly, I suppose, and do that reasonably well. Can we just explain poly? Some of our re- listeners ah, might not okay. know polyamory. So polyamory is is really just the concept of having more than one uh, partner. And by partner, I don't mean sexual partner, although, you know, normally they are a sexual partner. Um, it's more about the, the, the emotional relationship. Com- yeah, emotional it's, connection. It's actually about having proper multiple proper relationships mm. um and so a lot of it ends up being about time management and about uh communication and dealing with things like jealousy which we all have and mm. you know and so by the time you've you've sort of been in a poly relationship for a little while you're pretty good at communication <laughs> yeah so you've been able to bring this into your current relationship which is monogamous uh it is oddly it started as poly and then we've become yes. monogamous so that's been an interesting experience as well yeah but, uh, is it, yeah. is it is part of the problem like she's competing with a hobby uh it's not that i think it's it's um as she said she goes intellectually she has no problem with me tying other people and tying and, and, you know, being poly and all the rest of it. But whenever I do, she gets a big lump in her throat. And I think, <laughs> I, I think it, it, sometimes we just need to um, recognise the fact that there are underlying emotional and spiritual needs that don't necessarily translate into, a, in, into uh, an intellectual construct. And you just have to accept those and, and deal with them in an emotional way. Mm. You have a festival coming up. Yes, yes. Uh, in uh, in Australia, what is the long weekend, the October long weekend? Which is what date? Uh, it's the 4th to the 6th of October. Um, and actually the week preceding that, we have... Um, a week um, of bondage. Yes, yes. Japanese have, style. Yeah, it's, it's really good fun. We have um, uh, some Japanese guests coming over. Who are uh, who are masters uh, and certainly eclipse any level of skill that I have um, coming over to teach master classes and then we also have three days of uh, of lessons uh, and and performances uh, which is just great so uh, to give us a quick plug it's sydneyropefestival.com.au that's easy to remember sydneyropefestival.com.au and that'll be on the website, my website. Oh, that'll be on oh, my website. Oh, he's starting my it again. My website. Oh. <laughs> the um, whereabouts is that being ha- happening? Uh, that's happening here in Leichhardt at the Sydney Rope Dojo. Once actually. again, this hotbed of bondage and Italian food that is Leichhardt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who would have thought that the German explorer after whom the suburb is named would have ever <laughs> thought that the suburb that's named after him would be this hotbed of Italian food? Well, it and sort of makes sense when you realise that the uh, explorer was German, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they're, they're quite big on bondage, aren't they? In, they are. Um, they have a, a very well-developed artistic and uh, and sort of sexual health and uh, and interest community, certainly in Ber- Berlin. Mm. So I'm thinking for people who are listening to this show and maybe haven't really experienced bondage before, Shabari, and are thinking, oh, actually, that does pique my interest, and say they could come to the festival, 
what would they be able to get out of it? Like are there sort of try it out kind of opportunities at the festival? Absolutely. I mean, um, one of the big things that we do with the festival is we have um, classes that anybody can take um, so that, you know, anybody who turns up is going to be able to start learning a bit about rope and about the, <laughs> the, the, the theory and the, the practice of rope. Um, and also we've got a weekend beforehand for anyone who's a bit worried about their skill level so that they can, uh, they can beef themselves up a bit and go and do master classes and stuff without any problems. Um, but basically it's, it's a, a, a couple's experience really. Mm. You know, people come along together normally and they, uh, you know, they learn a bit about rope, they learn a little bit about sensuality, they learn a little bit about how to connect with one another um, and a little bit about Japanese culture as well. How, how, oh, sorry. So no, I was just going to say because whether you're the top or the model, I like mm-hmm. that term, <clears throat> very, very sort of different roles and experiences, do you find, well, if we're talking about well, individuals or couples, sorry, I'm tied up again, listeners, and my brain's kind of a bit funny. Focus, Jacqueline. Focus. I hope I'm making sense. Like do people get, do you find that people tend to have one preference or the other or do they tend to switch? Like do couples kind of take it in turns to tie each other up or do you find that one prefers to be the – like for me personally, I have a bit of an intellectual interest in the tying side of it but in terms of the pleasure of the experience, I find being the model is just completely different dimension. Um, Would you comment on that? I think – Did that make sense? Yes, it did. Rambled. That was an effort. (laughs) It did ramble, but you got there eventually. Um, look, I, th- I think the reality is it, it's a, it's like any human experience. There's there's a little of everything. Sometimes we have more people who um, want to do both. Sometimes we have people who are very happy to, to stick to one role. Um, you know, sometimes that role is male or female in, in either case. Mm. So I think it, it's very egalitarian in that way. And certainly we have a lot of female riggers. Um, and we have uh, quite a few women that have started as bottoms mm-hmm. and then have ended up being uh, tops as well, started mm. as models, mm. ended up being tops um, and extremely good tops, I think, for having been models in the past. Mm. Mm. Does, it, does, does it help to have, I mean, I'd imagine that would it help to be very flexible in both roles so that you get an experience of... I think... Um, Fundamentally, the first thing is that people need to not feel they have to be one role or the other. They need to work out what they actually enjoy because that's actually the core of it. I mean, Mm. for me, I've been tied up and it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, Partly that's probably got a little bit to do with my flexibility and partly that's just got to do with I I enjoy being the one who's actually doing things. I find passive roles quite difficult. So it doesn't feel passive. Yeah. But, I mean, it is passive, you know. but it's a very active kind of passive. <laughs> I, 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 I feel it more receptive. Like to, passive yeah. to me means like there's nothing happening, but what I'm experiencing is very much something happening. I suppose that's the thing for me. I find mm. just receiving without being in any way mm-hmm. a- actively involved. Doesn't work for you. No, and I think from, rather than try to overanalyze that, I've just accepted that. Um, I know mm. other people that are the same in the opposite direction. They, they find it really confronting if they have to be the one who's actively doing something, mm-hmm. whereas being able to sit there and, and have uh, a lovely experience is, is perfect for them. So as much as the, the people who switch between top and uh, bottom role 
um, seem to really do well from having done that. I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that people have to do. No. Mm. How, what would you recommend for people who are interested in this and they're just starting off? What, what, how, how, what's the best way to start? Um, the best way is, is generally to go somewhere where you can get uh, one-on-one training or at least training from a physical person because books uh, and even videos don't really kind of mm. uh, teach you about feel quite as much as as you should and really in the end that's the important part um but if not i actually have a website called naturallytwisted.co and in the tutorial section there's a whole heap of videos naturallytwisted.co yes we'll put that on the website, to is, that my an, website. A british, is that a british website no no it's just um, happens to be a co yeah it just happens to be a co mm-hmm. um when i was finding names for the site that was the, the that one was I what it was about uh, yeah. naturally twisted well and um, your rope dojo, does that have a website as it well? It does, sydneyropedojo.com.au. Mm. Um, we'll put up all this on the website. Mm. Magic. And for people who don't live in Sydney, like if they wanted to, are there rope dojos? Throughout the world. I mean, how has, yeah. how, how, has, how has rope penetrated the rest of the world, so to speak? <laughs> um, well, it's penetrated a lot through the, the kink community. And so a lot of the advertisements for rope um, are on kink websites. Like fetlife.com. Exactly. Um, so it can be a little bit hard to find if you're not involved in one of those sites. Mm. Um, but there are peer ropes that are on. Um, there are, uh, you know, normally you can do an internet search on your local area and under Shibari and find some things. But, you know, FetLife is actually the best resource for finding things like that. You seem to be using a Hessian rope. It's a natural fibre. It's uh, jute, yes, which is what Hessian is made of. Jute. Um, What are there obviously different types of rope would provide different experiences? Silk would be a different experience altogether. Um, Nylon (laughs) could be a bit scratchy. People use um, a lot of different types of rope for, for bondage. The, the knots that we use don't work very well with um, uh, with non-natural fibre mm. ropes. Mm. So, so it's uh, a very organic experience. Yeah, and I, I personally I like the, the feel of the organic rope. Mm. So it's, um, it, it's something we kind of, we follow the Japanese very closely on that and use the jute. So, and, and, of all the, and of all the nations in the world besides the Japanese, which one has really taken up the... Do you, do you know of one? Um, oddly, Australia is kind of leading the charge to some degree. There's a lot Who of stuff. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> the, 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 the land of blokes, sheilas, well, kangaroos, I've been surprised Holland because I teach, I teach a, very, a little bit of rope at my couple's retreats, mm. like very basic, nothing like this, um, basically just how to do a wrist tie and a very simple body tie. And, um, I mean, I've been doing this about 10 years now, and people love it. Like, they really get into it. And have a lot of fun just kind of tying each other up a bit. I think it's something that anyone can take into the bedroom. I must say this I must say this is looking very artistic now. Um, there's all sorts of fun stuff happening that you'll be able to see in the photographs. Can you describe it? Uh, well, it looks like almost he's creating a vest uh, out of rope. Mm. that is binding your breasts without putting pressure on the breasts either, which yes. I think is very sensitive. And, um, Just lifting under the, and, and lifting, and, yes, and lifting <laughs> the rib cage as well, which I think is interesting. Um, mm. It's been wonderful. We've, had, we're, we've come to the end of our time. Oh, really? Yes, yes. I know that time seems to have no meaning for you right now, Jacqueline, because <laughs> of the head and spiritual space in which you find yourself. Well, once but, we, we sign off, I'll just let myself yes, go. Exactly. Co- so, yes, so I'd like to thank 
um, Havari for tying Jacqueline up. In fact, if you can gag her, that would be fantastic. Excuse me. <laughs> you a bit too kinky there, Xavier. Oh, and um, blindfold her, that would be even more fantastic. <laughs> In your dreams, mate. <laughs> well, I just think it would be... Make for good photography. Oh, um, yeah, right. I'm always thinking of the artistic aspects of this show. Um, <laughs> so once again, thank you, our listeners, for tuning in uh, to for all this sex, science, spirituality and art. Yes, we need to add and art. And art, we need to add that. It's been beautiful. Thank you, Habari, and thank you for tying me up. Thank you, Brian, for having me on the show. It's been beautiful. Cosmic. We'll join you again next week, listeners, down on the Tantric Lounge.